we started our website live last uh, last Tuesday, and uh, I just think that it'll be a blessing, encouragement, and a help. And so go ahead and pop in and see. We've got 187 minutes right now of uh, all kinds of different videos and series. My favorite is the series on Calvinism. It, it is absolutely, hands down so far, my favorite. Uh, I had a lot of fun mocking in, in that one. So uh, it was, I enjoyed it. So, all right, uh, uh, let's see. I've learned a lot of preachers struggle where they are, and I never wanted to be that way. Uh, when I knew positively that we were moving to North Columbus from Cleveland Baptist, I called a few different men and asked some advice about some different things. Brother Fennel was one of them. And uh, my dad, who pastored for many, many years, he gave me probably very practical, gave me probably the best advice. He's, I said, Dad, I'm leaving where I've wanted to be my entire life. And I prayed every day in college. I'd get to come back to my home church been there 20 years. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go, but I want to follow the will of God. How can I get to a, how can I make it a better thing? And my dad said, find one thing to treat yourself. So I thought, oh, that's real practical. But he said, find something that you can do that would treat yourself. It'd be a treat for you. And I'm dead serious. So I knew right away exactly what I was going to do. We got good toilet paper at our church. I mean, I, for 40 years, before I came to Columbus, for 40 years, I mean, I lived in church, my dad being a pastor, you know, Bible college, all of these things, you know, I mean, it's either sandpaper or it's one ply that looks like saran wrap. And so, you know, I said, we're going to get good toilet paper. And uh, man, you know, at least once, Sometimes twice a day I smile, you know, so, uh, you know, it's something practical that, uh, you know, I was almost thinking of writing a track, you know, come to our church and you can smile maybe once out of three services too, you know, uh, uh, going to Bible college, try to, you know, entice guys to come uh, be an intern, you know, hey, I know you could go to Mega Baptist Church, but hey, I got something special, you won't get there. Seriously, you know, how we go through ups and downs of uh, finances and things. Uh, one day, uh, we were meeting with the deacons, and they're going, uh, we've got to try to cut some things and, and try to meet some bills and be appropriate. And one of the guys said, uh, Pastor, you know, they do have commercial toilet paper holders now where, you know, they come in a big row. I went, hold on right there. If you want to talk about the Bible version, maybe we'll talk. But there's some things we're unyielding on. And this, this is steadfast. This is sure. You know, we don't need to, you know, get the toilet paper rolls that are like bearing precious seed, you know, pick up a forklift and slap it on there. And, you know, hey, I've been in of, you know, church bathrooms a ton of time. And you, I don't see what's going on in there, but, you know, I hear them go, you know, and so whenever everybody pulls and yanks on it, you know, to make it a, a long enough like it's a first down marker on a football field, you're not saving that much money, you know. So anyway, all right, so that was my thing, okay. So I'm happy to be at my church. One one thing at least made me, me happy to be at my church, but I thought, 
hey, I'll pass that on. You know, obviously it's a little bit humorous, but uh, it's true for me. But, uh, you know, find one way to treat yourself. And, uh, you know, that's what my dad said, so he's, he's pretty practical. So uh, anyway, take that for what you think. All right, uh, Exodus chapter 16. Let me start my timer to make sure I am ready and, and done on time. Hour 20 minutes, that's what you said? Okay, 80 minutes. Okay, here we go. Exodus 16, and then also, if you could turn to Numbers chapter 11, Exodus 16 and Numbers chapter 11. So Exodus 16 and Numbers 11, and you found your place. Let's just stand as we read the scripture, would you please? Exodus 16 and verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. It came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew laid round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. And then again to Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, Numbers 11 and verse number 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, and now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as a coriander seed, and the color therefore is the color of delium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. I've got a long introduction, a very, very short message, and a medium-sized illustration, so don't get nervous here, okay? Let's pray. Lord, uh, please meet with us today. This uh, message, just like every one of these preachers here, this message just has burned a hole in my heart. And I pray that you'd work upon all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. That phrase just, you know what I'm talking about, preachers. That, that phrase just, just grabbed my heart. Nothing but manna. What a phrase. Nothing but manna. Now, manna, it, it, the the... The strict interpretation of the word manna means a whatness. In other words, it was, uh, it was something that you, you'd never seen, you can't explain, and so you just, they use this, it'd be like us saying, uh, hey, you know, uh, my wife 
my wife cooked a batch of that, oh, my soul, you know, today. And, man, it was really good. Or, uh, you know, man, uh, uh, last night we had a plate of that dude check it out. You know, I, I mean, it, it was really good. It, it, you couldn't describe it. it. They're just coming up with a word meaning it's awesome. We have no idea what it is, but it's just awesome. I mean, this manna is awesome. This manna is great. And so here we see, and, and let me just give a, a little bit little bit here, 550-mile trip from Goshen to Mount Sinai, took about 47 days. After traveling 300 miles from Goshen, they made the 12-mile crossing of the Red Sea at the Straits of Tehran on day 25. Then it took 22 days to travel 120 miles from the Red Sea crossing to Mount Sinai. Exactly 31 days after leaving Goshen, they entered the wilderness of Sin, Exodus 16.1. In the wilderness of Sin, Israel camped eight days, and they learned about the manna and the Sabbath cycle. On Pentecost Sunday, day 53 from leaving Egypt, Mount Sinai explodes when God gives the law to Moses over a period of 40 days. So Israel spent about 11 months and five days camped in the wilderness of Sinai, while Moses received the law and Israel built the tabernacle tent, the journey from Sinai through Ezion Geber to Kadesh Barnea was about 20 stops over a period of about 11 months. Now, whenever I look at this, and, and I get the idea, and I, and I think many Christians have the, have the misconception whenever we hear the children of Israel wandered in the, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, yeah, that this was a long time. They've been eating manna at this point now, 18 years, 25 years. It, it's somewhere between 11 months and two years. Somewhere in that time frame between then Exodus 16 of, whoa, what is this? this I can't even describe it. It's just, it's just awesome. It's unbelievable. To the point of going, we got nothing but manna. Nothing but manna. How do we get from there to here? I mean, from a, from a wonder, from a, an amazement. And it's just phenomenal. This is just, it, this is just fantastic. How do we get there? I mean, I mean, after all the manna, it was wonderful in its provision. It, 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 uh, it met a need. It came as often as it was needed. It was a wonder in its origin. It came from heaven. It came with the dew. It was a wonder in its goodness. It looked good. It tasted good. And something happened that turned the people of Israel from, this is amazing. I can't even put a word on it to this point of, now all we've got is nothing but manna before our eyes. And they said themselves, our soul is dried up. How'd they get there? I, I, I'm interested in that, but as the introduction, they're not excited anymore. By their own admission, their souls are dried up. They looked heavenward and they said, God, you've given me nothing but manna. Let that sink in for a little bit. Manna gave life. Manna tasted good. Manna was healthy. Manna could be used in multiple applications. Manna was a gift from God above. And now this manna is doing nothing but drying up my soul. Wow, what a statement. 
All right, so here's the sermon. You already know where I'm going. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth to everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. He said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? Or what dost thou work? Now what had he done so far? Our fathers did eat men in the desert, that is it written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and believeth on me shall never thirst. But I have said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. I take that, that's a direct correlation. I'm not reading anything into the scriptures. When we think of that scriptural application, nothing but Jesus. And it wasn't something proud. It wasn't something joyful. It was a complaint. Nothing but manna. What happens that turns us from the time, man, I remember when I got saved. I remember I was so excited about the things of God. I couldn't wait to tell people what happened. What, what happened that brings us to the point that, that now our souls dried up and we can hear about the cross and we can, we can think about the resurrected Christ and we yawn and we don't even pay attention anymore. It doesn't thrill our heart, doesn't move us anymore. Nobody used to have to tell us to show up on visitation or go soul winning. We just willingly did it. I can't wait to tell you what happened in my life. What brought us from that point to here? Because there's a lot of Christians, and I think there's a lot of us as preachers, if we're going to be honest with us, that we're na we may not utter the words out loud, but in our heart, yeah, we got nothing but Jesus. Oh, not me. I'd never do that. How do we get to that point? Number one, the application we are influenced by wicked people. The mixed multitude fell a-lusting. The mixed multitude fell a-lusting. We are, we are influenced by wicked people. If we're not careful, it's too easy to start pleasing the mixed multitude. We make attempts to appease and placate and make them comfortable. A group of people that will never support will never sacrifice, and will never strengthen. And we spend all of our time being influenced by them. 
They're the ones who, who want us to stray from the Scriptures. They're the ones saying that so winning doesn't work. They're the ones saying, let's do this. This guy's doing this over here. This person's doing this over there. They're, they're, they're the ones. It's a mixed multitude. These were people that were intermarried and intermingled with Egyptians. The work of God, the New Testament church. I got a note not too long ago on my desk. It was typed, I guess, because they think I'm going to do some forensic study and try to analyze people's uh, handwriting, you know. But a little note on the back. It was pasted on the back of one of our prayer request cards. And uh, it was just a couple of months ago. And uh, got a, n a note that said, if you'd stop yelling and screaming so much, you'd stop running off more people than you're attracting. And I thought, well, that's okay. You know, I don't want to be one of those cool guys that just talk a little bit, you know. What happens with the mixed multi... Now, I thought it was amusing, and I was going to throw it away, but I kept it sort of as a trophy. You know, <laughs> every time I'm a little bit dull, every time I'm a little bit lethargic, I'll just pull that thing out before I preach and get up there and get, get all fired up. I'm getting at the age now that whenever I first came to Cleveland Baptist, uh, to North Columbus, I was 40. And so what, our, our dads would have been our age, you know, 60-something. And uh, so had Brother Thompson come and preach, and I mean, he tears it up, and he sort of talked a little bit, a little bit, you know. And, and I, so I called Brother Phil and was talking to Al Stone. I said, man, these guys just tore it. And they went, oh, man, we've got the thing. What we do is we tell them, hey, now, I want you to preach today. Well, of course. No, you don't always preach. Sometimes you just talk. I want you to really preach it. And they'll, ah, oh, you stinking punk. I'll show you what preaching. And, you know, I think Phil was saying that his dad, you know, one day he told that to his dad. His dad was so mad. He got done preaching, then got done like, there, are you happy? And Phil's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. That's exactly what we wanted, you know. So we're getting to that point. But let me tell you about the mixed multitude. Eventually, God's going to get rid of them unless they repent. Our desire is that they repent. But sooner or later, God's going to get rid of them. And if we go following that mixed multitude... We're going to wind up changing things and, 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 uh, and uh, camouflaging things, and then they're not going to stay anyway. I'm not saying we'd be mean. I'm not, I mean, we're trying to use all kinds of new, innovative kind of things. Number two, how do we get there? We base our feelings on altered memories. We base our feelings on altered memories. I'm there. You know what? Anything that happened 40 years ago was so awesome. You know, when I first started in the ministry, it was so great. To, I used to walk across Lake Erie on top of the water, and it just it was so awesome. You know, it wasn't all awesome. I mean, they, they were looking at their life before being saved. Oh, I, listen, I've grown up in church. I've been to enough youth rallies and have some guys stand up and go, yeah, I used to be a professional athlete and I had women here and there and I drove a Lamborghini and had millions of dollars to make. Then I got saved and all that was gone. 
wow, I would like to be saved now too and have an empty, dull life. Wow, isn't that great? We, we don't think of it scripturally. Oh, the leeks and the cucumbers and the garlics. That's where my nutritionist got educated. That's the problem, you know. She's trying to bring Egypt back into my life, you know. That's, it was so wonderful. Wait a second. According to Exodus 1, they afflicted them with their burdens. And the more they afflicted them, they were made to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And then they started killing the men-child when they're born. We have a more sure word. You know why? Because our memories aren't that clear all the time. We don't really remember things as clearly and as properly and as scripturally as we really should. Oh, my life before I was saved wasn't that bad. We base our feelings on altered memories. We're, we're not remembering scripturally. I mean, I, I got saved at five years old. I think, as far as I remember, I think, honestly, it was the very first time that the Holy Spirit prompted me that I'm so thankful that I responded. But that may not be true, because my mom and dad would always say, well, we knew you were getting close, and my grandpa at that time was unsaved, and my mom's dead, and he was in town to visit, and they knew I was really getting close to salvation, and, and they were praying I'd get saved while he was there. But he went, went back to Missouri, and I got saved the, the next week, so it ruined their whole life. So, uh, But number three... We don't feed the soul. If their soul was dried up, that was their problem. It wasn't the manna problem. When our soul gets dried up, it's not Jesus' problem. It's not the problem of the Word of God. It's us. There's something wrong with us. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the he that abideth me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Maybe we're trying to do a lot of things ourselves. Instead of just being so near and laying, sitting down at the feet of Jesus saying, what do you want me to do? First, I would just want to spend a lot of time with you. I was reading the story this week of Polycarp and how he was... I think uh, 8160, somewhere around there, and how whenever they came to arrest him, he said, please give me an hour to pray. And so the jailers, those that, that came to arrest him, they, they stayed, and he got so encumbered in his prayer, he prayed for two hours. Stand there listening to him. For two hours. It was a normal thing. Isn't, isn't, isn't it amazing? We, we don't feed the soul. These things have I spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We think it's very holy to be somber. 
Well, the Bible talks about the, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I'm thankful that God just made me, my nature, the way I was born, I'm a happy person. And then on top of that, the Holy Spirit can make me more joyful. That's a good way of living through life. I, I truly, I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm definitely not trying to set myself above anybody else. I hear many times pastors will use the phrase, whether it's serious or sort of joking, I resign from the church every Monday morning. I think there's been like two times in 21 years that I've thought about resigning, quitting. It's just, we're serving Jesus. And if Jesus knows that I'm doing the very best that I can, and he's showing me the things that I need to improve. He's showing me the way that I need to be a better Christian. That's all that matters. We fight all the time this pressure, even among ourselves. Well, how many is that guy running? Then I'll decide whether, whether or not I'm really going to listen to him or not. And the most important thing we can do is get in the Word of God and let it change our lives. And maybe our pews, people are sitting in our pews and saying, well, all we've got, we've got nothing but manna. Maybe it's because they're not getting what they need from us. Because we're not getting what we need from the Lord. Lastly, we fail of the grace of God. We fail of the grace of God. No, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness, which, I, which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many there be defiled. Later on, a few 14, 15 verses later, wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Man, I'm so thankful. I, I was called to preach when I was 13. And my dad, boy, he started having a lot of good, good discussions for me. And I know this isn't Bible, but uh, I, I think it's fairly true. He said, now, son... The ministry will be a lot more enjoyable for you <laughs> if you just get this fact first. A lot of pastors are jerks. If you can just get that down, a lot of pastors are jerks. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, okay, doesn't sound good. You know, he didn't give me names, didn't give me a list. All right. Uh, but, man, I found that sort of be true. Oh, you're talking about a man of God. No, I really haven't met a lot of real men of God. And I sure couldn't classify myself as one. It's not just the power in Elijah's mantle. that we pick it up, we can slap the River Jordan and say, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Got to be an Elisha first. Not a lot of pastors are very gracious people. 
Man, we live in a society where we lord over God's heritage. I think God says something about that. It's my way or the highway. What if God said that to us? And I'm, I'm all for hard preaching. The harder, the better. I don't like just my toes stomped on. I like to walk out of the church in crutches. I need it. But, but we have so, we have so uh, carnalized the work of God. Well, I'd do better. We won't say out loud, nothing but Jesus. But we'll say things like, well, I don't have a church car. I don't have an office. I don't have an assistant. I don't get asked to preach revivals and meetings. I'm not known around the country. I don't teach and preach in a Bible college. My people never gave me an anniversary present. I've been there two and a half years. I don't get thank you cards like other guys do. I don't think we say it out loud, but I think it's there in our heart. And all I got is Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. We just stand in the doors of our churches like they stood the doors of their tent and weep. Yeah, poor me. Look at everybody else. Probably about uh, maybe 16 or 18 years ago now, we are hosting a preacher's fellowship of the church, and there was a pastor that had a, an awesome blessing. I mean, it was an awesome blessing. And I told him, I said, you need to tell everybody else what God did for it. He went, no, 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 no. Now, come on. And I kept, like, cajoling him, and, and he, no, no, no. So he was there for the Tuesday morning meeting, and so yeah, I know best, of course. And so I said, hey, brother so-and-so, come on up and dismiss us for lunch. And, by the way, let, every know, let everybody know what God did for you guys. And so what had happened was, uh, you know, people in this church have different nursing home services, and there was, they got a phone call. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> got a phone call, and the guy said he's an attorney, and he was dealing with the estate of some lady, and he said uh, she had been coming and attending your services at the nursing home, and so she just wanted to remember the church in her, in her will. And, and the pastor thought, oh, that's nice. They get a thousand bucks or so. Or, oh, that's nice. That's really. They're praying they needed to build a new building. They're running out of space. So, you know, about uh, three weeks later, check came in the mail for over $200,000. And I'm like, that's awesome. That is great. You got to tell me. And he goes, no, 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 no. I said, come on. And so, you know, he came up and I said, now, by the way, you know, because I know best. By the way, you need to tell everybody what happened. That's so awesome. I am not lying at all. He dismissed in prayer. We're going down in the basement for lunch. Ribs. And so uh, before I got from the platform to the basement, of course, I'm the last guy anyway. You're the host. There was at least, at least 16 preachers, different guys who went, Eh, man, it never happened to me. 
We're so covetous. We can't even say praise God for something that happened to somebody else. And by the time I got down the basement, I went to that preacher. I go, I can't believe it. These 16 guys told me they were, they were upset. They were jealous. They were, and he said, yeah, I know. That's why I didn't want to say anything. What, what is with us if we can't even talk about the goodness of God? He didn't get up and say, I am such a great pastor. Here's what happened. He's just saying, look what God did. Isn't that great? And we can't even rejoice for a brother or sister in Christ. Or something good happens to them. The same God that blesses them wants to bless us. We fail the grace of God. We don't have the grace of God in our hearts. So how do you get more faith? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How do we get cleaner? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do we get more grace? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We won't turn there. I've got six minutes. But in Numbers 11 and verse 18, what God said and Moses told the people, he said, okay, you're weeping in your tents. You're bawling your eyes out because all you have is nothing but manna. God's going to give you food. God's going to give you flesh to eat. He's going to go ahead and let you fill up on that. Not one day, not a week, not 10 days, not 20 days, but for 30 days. And God makes the statement until it comes out of your nostrils. And I think that's probably the best way to know that I've gotten back right with God when everything else that I thought was more important I start to loathe. And you know what I'm talking about. We've done things, said things, thought things. And it didn't bother us for a while. And then we finally got right with the Lord. And, uh, and we, we look through the eyes of grace and we go, that is so sickening. That is so abhorrent. I cannot believe that I thought that, God. I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe that I said that. I can't believe that I went there. It, it's starting to make me sick. And then I think the Lord's going, now that's where I want you. That's where we need to be. Remember uh, quite a few years ago, I was traveling back from Mansfield at a meeting that, we, that I was involved in. It wasn't like a preacher's meeting or anything. It actually was like a coach's meeting in our Christian school conference. And on the way back on 71, my car blew an engine. And I uh, wasn't quite sure that that's what happened, but I was pretty sure. And... Uh, No cell phones then. Waited and somebody uh, picked me up and took me to the next, re next rest area about maybe five or six miles down the road. And I called my father-in-law and he 
called somebody else and they you know brought a pickup truck and some tools just to see what the situation was come to find out it was uh, engine was gone i had a good uh, i had about a good hour hour and a half to complain to god and uh, i accused him not being just, not being fair, that uh, I didn't deserve this to happen. And it didn't take till the end of the day that I really repented. And it was God's design to give us a new car. <laughs> and here I'm blaming God. And I just wonder how many times we stand in our pulpit and weep inside, not for souls, not for the people that we ought to love, but we don't have what somebody else has. All we've got, nothing but manna. We went to Columbus with nothing but Jesus. And when I go to heaven, that's all I have, but in him are all the promises of God fulfilled. Well, I think uh, it's good to remember nothing but manna. Oh, dear Jesus, please forgive us. I know you do, and I'm thankful, but we all need to be very careful about this, and if we find that attitude in our heart, I don't think that we'll ever be right with you, not thoroughly right, until we, we loathe and despise and really hate what had taken our affection, taken our attention away, and that's why our soul is dried up, not because of you. Thank you for loving us anyway, in Jesus' name, amen.